Okay, so I wasn't going to review this film, but um, I went to see it over the weekend, and uh, this is Ken Loach's um, latest film, British director, and it's called Sorry We Missed You. <clears throat> now, Ken Loach, I have a odd relationship with Ken Loach. Um, I used to be a fan of his. Um, Kathy Come Home was one of those absolutely uh, pivotal films, you know, about homelessness. He's a Marxist, left-wing socialist filmmaker. He's dealt with all manner of social injustices and the way in which the capitalist British state has dealt, you know, a bad hand to the working class of this country. And, you know, over the years has been a much needed voice for uh, an unrepresented uh, majority at times, as well as minority of, of British workers and the working class. Um, one of his first ones that really had it made its strongest impact on me was Cares, the film of a young boy um, and his kestrel, uh, which was a beautiful film. And so he's made a name for himself, uh, Ken Loach. Obviously, at first he was in television. Uh, making films like, as I say, Cathy Come Home, um, and known for his sort of docudrama, very British realist sort of approach, a very televisual approach to filmmaking Ken Loach has. Um, and of course, this has transferred over to his cinema. Now, when I was sort of uh, a film student, I was very much looking at films of his like Hidden Agenda, Riff Raff, uh, Lady Bird, Lady Bird, Raining Stones, those kind of films. And at the time, it really chimed with my political leanings at the time. Um, you know, he, Ken Loach, and Mike Lee were both filmmakers to turn to uh, for sort of social observations. Mike Lee much more of the sort of lower middle class, middle classes, and Ken Loach much more about the, the worker, British workers' perspective. And yet very early in my career I had the great fortune of being able to interview him very briefly for a documentary I was making at the time about the British film industry, uh, or the state of the British film industry. And I was so beyond excited to meet him, you know, I knew that he was an absolute doyen of British cinema and, and you know, a real believer in independent cinema. I mean, he's obviously been in the press recently slamming superheroes for being the sort of burgers, the fast food of, of mainstream cinema at the moment, chiming in alongside Scorsese. It is curious that Scorsese and Loach both chimed in on superhero films at exactly the time that they both had films being released, but there we go. I mean, I've had great sympathy and great interest in the political uh, messages of Ken Loach's films and yet when I went to meet him and interview him he really wrong-footed me because I went there full of high hopes <laughs> and uh, expectations and the first thing he said to me wasn't warm wasn't friendly or anything all he said was you've put someone out of work and I looked at him and I was like what do you mean he said because you're pointing the microphone as well as filming you've put someone out of work I said well it's not my decision I, I, I've do my job as a video journalist and you know it's the company's decision yeah but companies like yours I said the company isn't me and quite quickly it unraveled we did the interview I got the interview and I realized that there was a sort of lack of individualism to his political vision just in the way that he dealt with me he didn't see me as perhaps being exploited by a system. He saw me as a sort of privileged exploiter. And that really sullied my interest, not in the politics. I've always got a sympathy for the politics, but it just sullied my interest in his films because I thought, hmm, humorless, unimaginative. And that was my major disappointment meeting Ken Loach. And it was a huge disappointment. So it was with a deep, deep sigh that I thought to myself I'd go and see this. Now, one of the guilty pleasures of all Ken Loach films, regardless of what you think of Ken Loach himself, is that he does generally find some absolutely sort of breakout actors and performers, often 
uh, often coming from real life, so they might be amateur, it might be their first occasion that they've acted in something. He works with a lot of actors where the scenes within which he's filming are ad-libbed and, and are essentially just um, improvised. You know, he just runs with whatever the, the dialogue is that's running. And those are some of the greatest moments, I think, in Ken Loach's film. So there can be moments of great humour and there can be searingly moving performances at the centre of his films. So Sorry We Missed You was a film that I saw was released um, and I recognised that it was about, essentially about the gig economy. It's about a guy called Ricky. Um, him and his family have been fighting an uphill struggle since the 2008 financial crash. Uh, they lost their mortgage and a lot of money with the Northern Rock Bank crisis. Um, and an opportunity to sort of uh, take control of their lives comes back as Ricky decides to take on a job for a parcel delivery firm, uh, which involves him having to get a loan, buy a van, and uh, work his arse off. Um, and the film goes to great lengths to show that he is a franchise, he's a franchisee, he, he's not an employee. And this point is, is really the heart and uh, is, is the centre of this film's message, is that the employers in the UK and all over the world at the moment, zero hour contracts and all that kind of stuff, place the burden of responsibility on the employee. And, and so this film went to great lengths to illustrate that, you know, the employer, the bald employer, the sort of bullish guy who who runs the delivery service says to our Ricky you know you're in charge it's your van uh, you're, you're going to be running your own business sort of making him feel emancipated and in control of his destiny when of course it's a total total con because unless he hits the ridiculous delivery schedule unless he gets everything in on time and as long as he doesn't miss a day's work and if he does miss a day's work it's going to cost him 100 quid and he has to find another driver with all those provisos and caveats he's his own boss right down to when Ricky first takes the job um, one of his colleagues that he's going to work with the most awful sort of realization dawned on me that he was given a plastic bottle and the guy says to him you'll need that when you need to piss in it the idea of the gig economy the, the idea of zero hour contracts the idea of people struggling with very little to keep very little and make very little um, not helped by a system that is forever essentially you know pushing the burden of responsibility back over to the employee who's getting less and less and fewer and fewer rights you know a lack of unions and all this kind of stuff so again right on message with Ken Loach's left-wing politics it made me and it forced me a little bit like when we see images of famine in Africa and all that and you tend to start to become slightly immune to it and you want to look away and you want to think I can't it's such an enormous problem I can't deal with this problem this film did an incredibly successful job of grabbing my jaw and forcing me, because I'm in a cinema, to look. Because at first I was sitting there thinking, oh, here we go, we've got another Ken Loach film that's, yeah, okay, politically on point, I get it, I agree with it. Uh, but is it cinema? I was getting all middle class about it. Is it cinema? You know, does this need to be, you know, this is, you know, he makes stuff that's sort of more suited for television. He came from television. He's never been particularly interested in the composition or the cinematic structure of his shots. He would consider probably all of those things a bit too bourgeois and a bit too mainstream. And so I was sitting there and then I began to realise why it was important that I was actually watching this film, this particular film, Sorry We Missed You, uh, in a cinema. And the, re the reason was, I couldn't look away. Now, of course, I could have stood up and walked out of the cinema, but if you've gone to see the film, you're pretty, pretty likely to stay there. You couldn't look away. I was forced to watch uh, Ricky played absolutely, faultlessly and brilliantly by the actor Chris Hitchin. I mean, an absolutely remarkable 
performance by Chris Hitchin as, as Ricky, this guy who can't do right for doing wrong, who's, you know, struggling to make ends meet, has tried every job in the book, um, has reached beyond himself to become a white van driver. He has a, an adolescent boy who's becoming slightly uncontrollable, you know, is reaching out beyond his, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go to school. He's a graffiti artist in his own way, is incredibly um, business-minded and, and entrepreneurial in a sense, and, and has his own ambitions, this boy, and is a sensitive boy. He, can't, he Actually, there are moments of great care that he has for his mum and dad. But, um, but, you know, Ricky has, has got a son. He's got a beautiful younger daughter, played by Katie Proctor, I believe. And uh, and she was just charming, who he takes to work on a day, day, day to work. And, and, and so you start to feel, and of course, as this was moving along, you're thinking, OK, well, where's the pinch point going to come? Because there's always a pinch point. A little bit like when you watch an episode of Casualty, you're looking at the setups for about 10 different accidents. And you're thinking, right, he's going to definitely fall off the stepladder. She's definitely going to hammer a nail through her forehead. And he's definitely going to eat his own foot. Um, and in this one, I was thinking, OK, well, the, the pressure points are going to start to come. And of course they come in the form of the misbehaviour of his son um, and uh, being mugged and him being mugged, uh, Ricky, uh, and, and, and two or three occasions. And he gets two occasions where he's basically, you know, he gets uh, he gets sanctioned. And if he gets a third sort of fault, he'll be given the red card and thrown out. And, uh, you know, and I thought... Yeah. I actually, despite myself and despite my reluctance and I was feeling a bit, oh God, why is Ken Loach such a po-faced socialist? As I sat there, my sort of slightly po-faced attitude to Ken Loach, thinking he'd been this really sort of unsympathetic git who I was really pleased to meet and be pissed on my parade. I, this film slowly, slowly worked as a political, social, political piece. Um, and it... it basically through a spotlight and a magnifying glass over one, just one, of thousands, tens of thousands of lives of people in this country who are all working, but are all struggling on the edge of the poverty trap, are all struggling to make ends meet, and for whom, and this is the bit that really stressed me out with the whole film, I mean, when I was a boy, I had an absolute pathological fear of poverty, um, and you know, this film just illustrated that really it only takes one, two, three, like like in a boxing match, a jab, jab and a right hook to your, metaphorically, to your living circumstances for the entire foundations of a family life to start to waver and, and just come falling down around him. His disorientation, Ricky. Uh, his wife, played by Debbie Honeywood, she was absolutely beautifully played as well. Again, I don't think a professional actress, or if she was, she hasn't had many parts, because there was an authenticity and a documentary-like feel to many of the scenes of the family around the table. You know, the boss, the horrible, bald boss, who is just like an absolute bullish bastard who takes no shit, who gives him his, you know, his thing that the, uh, you know, when you, you know, when someone comes to your door and knocks on your door and you have to sign it with a pen and you just go squiggly, squiggly, gives him that and says this is your life, this will take you everywhere. But if you lose it, of course, it gets damaged. He, he's liable for it. Yeah, he was an absolute bruiser of a boss. Uh, and yet he's got pressure coming down on him. We weren't made to care particularly about his pressure. He was just a bruiser and, and a nasty bastard. But, you know, you, you're aware that, you know, this pressure is hitting different strata of people at different levels. 
Um, and then you just see the dysfunctionality. So what would have become the dysfunctionality of a family? So the, you know, the teenage boy begins to misbehave more because mum and dad are slightly stressed and tired because they're working harder and harder. The mum's had to give up her car in order for them to get the money to get the van. The daughter starts wetting the bed because she's aware that dad's stressed and that he's had a row with, the, with her brother and their son. And as those sort of drip, 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 the drip, drip effect of of ever diminishing choices and ever an ever diminishing circle of 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 just lack of choice and lack of maneuverability and and, and no way to escape the ever building layers of, of of debt and 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 claustrophobia and emotional claustrophobia ricky is at the center of this and the film interestingly ends at a point where it offers absolutely no solutions it just spirals you it kind of gets your chest and it tightens you up and because the performances of chris hitchin as ricky is so powerful and because his supporting cast of all of his um you know his family members are so naturalistic and real you believed every part of this and so this became this went from me thinking i knew what this was going to be to becoming a vital but vitally difficult experience to watch it was painful to watch i was torn up i was twisted my gut was wrenching and it leaves you with no solution just as there's no solution to anyone in this situation it left us simply with ricky driving i mean i didn't know whether suicide was around the corner or bankruptcy whether he had his job you know it leaves everything so open just as all of our lives are no life actually has an end point other than death so insofar as you know this was a film with the beginning middle and end it just kept building and building and building and the stress was getting more and more stressful it was like a sort of ken loach's version of goodfellas as the issue and the more and more that ricky started to drive around and around and around the more and more you realized that uh you know ricky was sort of in a more and more complicated labyrinthine. There was no Google map to get him out of the mess that he was in. He just kept driving and driving, chasing his tail, chasing his tail. And in that sense, it became, it was like a horror film. For me, it was a social, socio-economic horror film uh, that became exhausting. I mean, I left the cinema absolutely on the edge of my seat and feeling ghastly and appalled at any of the luxurious issues I have in my life, really. Um, and it also made me think that the next time I get a knock at the door and one of my Amazon parcels is being delivered or, you know, whatever it is, spare a thought. I'm going to spare a thought and I plead with you to spare a thought for that person who is under the cosh, who is stressing, having to deliver as many as they can. Otherwise, they won't earn their money. They won't meet their targets. You know, who's had to probably, you know, borrow, beg, borrow and steal in order to just have the white van out of which they're delivering. And so when they are stressed and when they are at their wit's end, and when they aren't as friendly and as lovely and as, and as amenable on your doorstep as you'd like them to be, because if you were in a bar, you'd be far more polite with each other, just spare a thought for the fact that they're making ends meet and they're busting a fucking gut trying to get this parcel to you because you're just one of 60 zillion they've got to do that week in order to just pay the rent to live in a place that's so small for them. So, Ken Loach, you were a miserable bastard to me, a miserable bastard, but this film is a vitally important film to have been made. It's just, it, it was one of those films, a sort of Kafka-esque nightmare, a proper nightmare, where the more and more they fought to change their situation or get out of their situation, the more and more embroiled and trapped within their situation they became. 
and though it's not necessarily particularly cinematic and does come out of the uh, the ethos of British documentary docudrama filmmaking, the act of going into the cinema to see it forces you to look at something in an un, you know, unavoidable manner. You know, you, it makes you blanch and flinch and you can't look away because you are in the darkness of a cinema. And I haven't had a cinematic punch quite like that in many years. Mm -hmm.